How would you feel about a love affair between the United States and Russia in 1963? Well, it wasn't likely, as then the United States was about as far as it could be from Russia with love. This is Tom Pizzotto. And Dan Silvestri. From SpyMovieNavigator.com, the worldwide community of spy movie fans. Spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more. So join us now as we search for the love in From Russia with Love. We're splitting this podcast into two different podcasts, right? Because it's a little longer than we like to go. We're trying to keep these things 30 to 40 minutes in length. And so we're going to split this up into, into parts. So the first thing we're going to do is part, part one of the movie. We're going to take you about halfway through the movie, and then we'll do part two. Yeah. From Russia with Love was Ian Fleming's fifth James Bond 007 novel, which was published in 1957. But it's Ian Productions' second James Bond 007 film, which came out in 1963. And when Fleming wrote the novel, the Soviet Union had not yet launched Sputnik, which was the first satellite ever put into space. But by October 4th, 57, Sputnik was successfully launched, which began the official space race between the Soviet Union and the United States. So the subject matter of this film, From Russia with Love, was very much on top of people's minds because we didn't know what was going to happen in the world now between the United States and the Soviet Union. I love how Ian Productions and, and, and Fleming actually took these current events yes. and turned them into magic. Yeah. I mean, all this kind of stuff of what would happen in space, even though this film is not about space, it, it had that tension built now between the Soviet Union and the United States, and that's what this film is about the tension between these two superpowers and the beginning of the space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. So it was a, another great choice, like you said, by Ian Productions to do this film in 63. The movie is all about James Bond heading to Istanbul to attempt to retrieve the Lecter, which was the top-secret Russian decoding machine. Now, the Lecter was actually based on the actual decoding machine called the Enigma during World War II. I mean, it helped the, the Allied forces win the war, when Britain's ultra organization broke the German code. Right. Actually, in uh, May 9th, 1941 is when the U-boat U-110 was captured, and that's they got the Enigma machine, the cipher codes, the cipher books, and stuff like that, which helped them break the code. Yeah. But that's so, when it happened. So the, so the Lecter actually was based off of that machine. Yes. In fact, when, when Tatiana talks about it in the movie, she's really describing pretty much the way the, the, elect, the Enigma machine was set up. Yeah. Now, in... Fleming's original book, The Lecter, was called Spectre. Now, since they had used Spectre for Blofeld's organization, it was kind of hard to use that also as this machine. So they renamed it in the, for the film. They renamed it The Lecter. Now, the truth about the Ultra, the Enigma decoder, and Ian Fleming's role in these activities wasn't revealed until 1975 when the British wartime secrets were first declassified. Sir William Stevenson, the head of Ultra and a close friend of uh, Fleming, he revealed the secrets of Fleming's contribution in a book entitled A Man Called Intrepid, which they then made into a movie. Okay. Yeah, as an aside, this guy who lived next door to my mother, Admiral Gallery, uh, I think it was Daniel Gallery, he captured the U-505 German U-boat in 1944, and he was towing it back to Bermuda, I think. And we didn't want the Germans to know we had 
the Enigma machine since 1941. So they were getting a little, uh, I think, I think they got a little miffed at uh, Admiral Gallery for towing it on on the surface, uh, and everybody could see it. But they, it ended up they, no one found out that we had it. And now that U-boat, the U-505, is actually at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, and I've been on it. It's That's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. you got to love how history comes around, and we get to touch it. Yeah. From Russia with Love is a second in production film. It's just outstanding. This is one of my top favorite films, uh, any spy film, and I think a lot of people in the world think From Russia with Love is one of the best spy movies around certainly one of the best bond ones yeah it has the best one of the best stories that story holds without all the fantastic stuff you see later in the bomb Bond series great screenplay great cast you got lottie lania uh playing cleb you got she's greatest she is terrific (laughs) and you you've got uh, pedro armandavez uh parent playing karen bay just terrific actors in this thing and the story just unfolds beautifully so we love this story and there's a if you go on our website, there's a two minute trailer that shows you the whole kind of sets you up for the whole movie. It's worth watching. It's terrific. It's it'll refresh your memory as all the tremendous scenes, action scenes, and theatrical shots that are in this film. It's it's great, and and some of the stuff that now you'll see for the next five decades in Bond films. The villains are true villains from Red Grant, Kronstein to Rosa Klebb. And, of course, Blofeld, who has people obeying orders in fear of death. Now, this film actually introduced the concept of the pre-title sequence into the Bond series because they didn't have one in Dr. No. It's one of the most intriguing pre-title sequences. The mood is dark, the setting is dark, and we see Bond pursued by an agent. I'm not sure who the agent is, but he's being pursued. This is in a setting we're not familiar with. And with very perplexed and worried look on James Bond's face, he doesn't look confident. And it makes the ner- the viewers, it makes us, the viewers, nervous. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting there watching that going like, what's going on? This is Bond and he's being pursued. Yeah, he he's had- walking around. He's got a gun in his hand. He's like looking over his shoulder. He does look worried. He's yeah, he, like, this is not James Bond. He looks like he's Bond. being chased or he's chasing yeah. somebody. And, yeah. I mean, they're in that kind of garden maze kind of a thing almost feel. It's like, right. w- what's going on here? So he's got a the gun in his hand and he's walking around these, these statuaries and foliage. There's lots of hiding places there until from behind Bond is strangled to death right at the beginning of the movie. I know it's like, wait a, wait a minute. Bond's gone. Second What's going movie, on? Dead. Second movie he's done. So he was pursued for a minute and 52 seconds and then he was killed. But wait, a la mission impossible's use of masks. A mask is lifted off a of bond to reveal that it was really someone else. Now, the interesting thing about that is what? Mission Impossible didn't start until three years after From Russia With Love. Right. I mean, as, as a TV show, not even forget, forget the movies. So here you think, hey, maybe they influenced Mission Impossible. But actually, if you look back a little bit in film history, you're, you're going to find the list of Adrian Messenger. Oh, yeah. Now, that's that uh, 1963 movie that was the first one we know that used heavy makeup and facial masks as disguises. Yeah. And they're peeled off. I mean, you got to watch it to the end because all the masks get peeled off and you actually see who the actors behind the masks were in this. Right, a lot of famous actors. Yeah, very, yeah, very famous actors. And, and some of them you're looking at going like, boy, that kind of that guy kind of looks familiar, but it's not quite right. Well, and then yeah. the mask comes off and you're like, oh, that's it. 
So perhaps From Russia With Love was influenced by The List of Adrian Messenger, which wasn't a spy movie per se, although it was a whodunit, and then later influences the uh, spy television series Mission Impossible and the subsequent films. Yeah, there's, there's actually a great article written about this by this guy, Jeremy Duns. Uh, it's April 14th, 2015. Look it up on Google and read it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, in there he talks a little bit about um, the masks and then also that the last year at Marimbad, and the it was a, a film that came out in 1962, and it actually helped guide Terrence Young's you know teaser from uh, in Russia from Russia with Love. I mean it's it's actually in that movie. There's the the Greek statues. There's the garden. You've got you know the whole, the whole suspense around that type of a setting was done just released just a year earlier on that, uh, you know, in the last year at Mirambad. So after we have this pre-title sequence, we move into the title sequence. And in Dr. No, if we remember, there was those, the dots, you know, the different colored yes. dots there. There were the silhouettes that were all multicolored, and then they move into the three blind men as silhouettes and then into the live action. Well, that's different in, in this movie, and it's actually um, kind of the theme that gets taken forward and how the title sequences are done in Bond films actually starts here, right? And it was really Robert Brownjohn who got, gets credit for doing this because he was in, in charge of this. He actually took the belly dancer and you, he shows the the titles kind of over the belly dancer as she's dancing. So you're seeing the woman, you're seeing the titles put onto it. And then after this movie, in, in th and then he also did that in Goldfinger. Know, the the over the gold body um, and all of that. Then in Thunderball, you've got Maurice Bender who takes that concept, and he was actually in a bar in Soho, and there was a woman swimming in a tank above the bar, and he's watching that. And if you then go into Thunderball and see the the pre or the title sequence there, he actually st starts incorporating. Oh, we've got these nudes. We're gonna put the titles over the nudes and try to do that as tastefully as possible, but still kind of tease you a little bit. And that really all the way, yeah, all the way through Spectre, yeah, that's become the the standard. But the concept actually started here with uh, Brown John's use of putting the titles over the woman who's doing the be the belly dance. Ian Fleming's books took off in sales in the United States primarily because. John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States in, in 1963 when this film was released, put From Russia With Love out as one of his top 10 favorite books. So that was huge. And sales of uh, Fleming books in the U.S. Uh, took off like crazy. Yeah, that, that actually came due to uh, Hugh Sidley, I'm sorry, Sidey, who was an American journal, journalist. He was writing for Life magazine, and he noted that From Russia With Love was on Kennedy's reading list. And that really was really, that's where that got sourced, and then it just, sales just escalated off yeah, of I th that. Yeah, I think he had it at number nine or something out of his top ten books, which for Ian Fleming, and I think Fleming actually ended up meeting Kennedy uh, shortly thereafter. But Kennedy was assassinated in November 1963, so he didn't, uh, didn't last much longer after that. But uh, definitely influenced the sales of Fleming books. So if you're on our website, you're looking at the film clips we have presented there. And we're going to go through these film clips now and show and talk about the kinds of things that are going on in these film clips. So in this, this next one is the Spectre briefing, and this is where we learn all about Spectre. So here we get a glimpse of the existence of Spectre and how Spectre works its evil plans. Uh, we even hear, for the first time, we see a reference to Dr. No, 
and that by stealing the lector from the Russians and setting up the plan for the Russian girl to theoretically defect and provide the lector to the British, they think MI6 is going to most certainly send Bond. I, I love how they actually do that reference back to Dr. No, because it's, it's like, okay, this is a series of films, right? Based on a series of books. And it, you don't see that a lot where they actually tie back to a previous movie. But. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought it was a great, again, this first time they're doing this kind of thing. I mean, there have been other series and stuff like that, but here you're referring back to the first movie and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it, it kind of ties things together in a little, nice little bundle. And so here you're thinking that, and we already know, they know about Bond because the t- pre-title sequence Spectre is training to kill Bond. So for a secret agent, everyone knows about it. It's kind of weird. It's not very secret. It's not very secret. But they're training to kill Bond in the pre-title sequence. So Spectre's very much aware of it, and they want revenge. For for Bond killing Dr. No, they're going to trap him here and get him and, get, and take care of Bond here. So in this clip, you're going to see number one, which you don't really see his face. You just see his hands stroking the white cat. And it was Anthony Dawson who was in doing, doing the hands was the hands. Uh, and, but you don't see his face and Kronstein is number two and Rosa Klebb is number three. So this is high level planning to get the lector and to kill James Bond. And that white cat. Yeah. Introduced here for the first time. Yeah. You see the cat, you see him throughout and you see him anytime Blofeld's actually mentioned in a Bond film. Right, and when he's actually there, even an inspector. Yeah, I mean it's 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 great. The attention, the detail in this little scene is is terrific, and, and and it's a nice little setup for the rest of the film. And so they they have a really really good uh, sense in production of sets and and design and so on. And Pinewood Studios outside of London always they build fabulous. Yeah, sets and there. you get you get into this room here where this briefing is and. It's like okay, yeah. this is it's a great set. Yeah, and and but in this film too, they get a lot of stuff on location, which is which is cool. So Istanbul and, and everything yep. else. So it, it's kind of fun. So this is a great clip. Take a look at that, and uh, and it's fun. Well, actually, you know, one of the things about this clip is if you look at the scenario they're setting up, where Spectre is going to bring in a Russian person, right, Tatiana. Yes, they talk about bringing her in. She's actually she actually works for the Russian government at the time. Yes. Right. So they're going to bring her in, and they're kind of playing off the Russians against the British, and kind of kind of being in the middle. They use that in a lot of their plots. So in um, the Spy Who Loved Me later on, you've got the you know uh, Anya Asimov, right? She's sent to Cairo to find the Spectre trader who's putting the tracking system in the open market, and each agent in that one thinks the other is behind the hijacking. And here it's Spectre setting it up so that Spectre's actually doing the manipulation, but it's really pitting Russia against against Britain, kind of yeah, faking it side out. In the next clip we're going to look at, you're going to see that uh, obviously Kleb is, is not working for Russia anymore, even though Tatiana thinks she's going to be working for the Russians. She's working for Kleb, and Kleb is actually in Spectre. Now. And so the, this whole mystery thing is being built from this scene forward. Exactly. So it's kind of cool. Our next clip is Tatiana and Kleb have a meeting. Now, Kleb is the head of operations for Smirsh, at least that's what Tatiana thinks. 
So we get to see the behind-the-scenes plan for getting the lector. Tatiana, she works for the Russian government. She thinks Kleb is still the head of Smirsch. And it's set in the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul. And you can still find this building. It's an, it's an inn now that was used uh, for this meeting. And it's always great to go to those sites and see that stuff. It's fun. Right? And so the set details make the movie the most believable. And the locations feel very, very real because they are real places in some cases. I love the lighting in this scene. It's yeah. just spectacular. Yep, Absolutely. And this scene really sets up the rest of the movie with these two characters, and they're going to appear at the very end of the movie as well together. And the atmosphere atmosphere really shows at the moment. Tatiana is not definitely not in control, right? Yeah. And the and the cat walking past her adds the intrigue and dark atmosphere, as does that that creaking door you hear. Yeah, yeah. The cat right. walking past her just reminds you of the specter and the cat and Blofeld and. You know, it's a little hint there. Yep, and and you hear you hear that creaking floor, and then uh, creaking door. I mean, and then Robert Shaw, um, uh, Red Grant, he's yes. watching her enter, and you're like, "What's going? What's on? going on here?" Right? There's some intrigue here. Now, Colonel Kleb with a threatening baton and whip in her hand, which if yeah, I was that Tatiana, crop thing yeah, or whatever it was, that, <laughs> that was definitely not a comfortable meeting for Tatiana. Uh, no. Right? She's she demonstrates Kleb demonstrate she's in complete control and she <laughs> reinforces that after Tatiana makes some mark about making love to Bond and um, if I refuse yeah, and she, she says said. yeah if I refuse to do this yeah. Cleb says then you will not leave this room alive yeah, that's that's great I mean this this is a definitely uncomfortable thing right so here you see Cleb and there's been a lot of articles written about this that perhaps she had same-sex tendencies, lesbian tendencies. You'll see really four things here that would reinforce that. First of all, she says, you're a fine-looking girl. <laughs> she says that when she sees her. It's like, okay. Then you see her touching Tatiana's knee, and you can see how uncomfortable Tatiana is. Oh, the look on her face as she's looking away, trying to yeah. ignore this situation. Yeah. It was really powerful. That's that's really something when she touches her knee. A lot of good dynamics there. Thirdly, she puts her hand on Tatiana's right shoulder. She touches her again. And then lastly, she touches Tatiana's hair and neck. It's like, okay, there's something going on Where, here. Where's this going? They're, they're not going to tell us what's going on here, but Hey, behind the scenes and a lot of articles, and I think maybe even in the book it kind of hints that she might be a uh, same-sex tendency type person uh, there. Well, I mean, Fleming was not opposed to writing about you know forms of homosexuality. No. You've got this, you've got Winton Kidd. Right, but here in the film yeah. in 1963, uh, this wasn't like out there uh, a lot in films. No, absolutely not. So that's why they, they kind of hinted at this here, but... <laughs> Well, there's, and there's four big hints in this. Yeah, this is good. the first one. But again, I'm going to go into Diamonds, right? In Diamonds with Winton Kidd. Oh, yeah. Right. It's the same thing. They right. downplay it a little in the movie, but it's there. Yes. So here, this scene was filmed in Istanbul as well. and But I, I think it was still in the same area as the, as the Blue Mosque. I think it was around the corner from there. And the exterior of the building is, is definitely Istanbul. Yeah, absolutely. The next scene is the scene with the briefcase, and it's our introduction with to Q. Right, first time we actually we actually meet Q. A smart uh, piece, play, yeah. a smart looking piece of luggage. Yeah, the smart looking piece of <laughs> luggage, and Q's played by Desmond Llewellyn here, obviously. So 
Bond gets called into M's office. You've got to love the scenes where Bond gets called into M's office. And he gets the details of his assignment to go to Istanbul to go get the lector. We see Q Branch, the quartermaster, for the first time. And this is this scene with Q is one of my favorite scenes in any Bond movie because you just have to love Q. You got to I mean, love Q. You, you see the guy, he's there. He's really matter of fact of this is this, this is this, this is this, as he's explaining how the different pieces that are part of the briefcase work. And it's just he's matter of fact and just kind of like, yeah, of course, just do this. Yeah. Right? The funny thing is uh, Desmond, and he said, yeah, my agent called me and said, hey, you know, there's a part in in a Bond movie. You want that thing? He said, yeah, okay, all right. And, and in real life, he was not technical. He knew nothing about technology. So yeah. He was like, so anyway. Yeah, so I mean, you, know, you see him, and you just got to love it. I mean, he's a special character throughout the film series, and it's just great to see him here. And he does give Bond a rather smart-looking uh, piece of luggage, which, of course, as all of his gadgets do, will come in very handy. Um, and from here on out, we see that Q is very much in tune with what field agents need. Now, this briefcase actually shows up, or a similar one, shows up later in the movie when Red Grant kills Nash. And as they're walking to the train, he's walking holding this briefcase up a little bit. Good thing it doesn't actually have the same countermeasures in it that Bonds does. But he's holding that briefcase as he's walking up, kind of signaling to Bond that he's Nash. Yeah. Well, it was a standard issue. Uh, yeah. That was going to be standard. So the, the other MI6 agent had it, who yeah. Grant killed. But you had all the stuff in there that he eventually uses, the throwing knife that flips out, the ammunition, the AR-7 rifle is in there, the collapsible rifle, the tear gas thing. Yeah, with the, with the, with the, if you do the, the latches. If, you, if you do the latch one way, yeah, it's, you're yeah, fine. Yeah. Another way, boom, you get the tear gas. And here we're seeing, really, in Dr. No, there weren't that many gadgets, really. You had the Geiger counter and stuff. But here, you're now you're thinking, oh, this is kind of neat. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So Bond gets his assignment here. He's got to go to Istanbul because they, we have this agent, Tatiana, who's going to perhaps give him this lector. And so they're going to take the chance and go. It may be a trap. They think, oh, whatever, but he's going. So in this next clip on our on our site, and here we're going to talk about, it's, it's Bond uh, leaving for Istanbul. He comes out of M's office. So... Here he knows he's got to go, so he's he looks at Money Penny before he leaves. He signs a photograph that M wants back, and he gives it to Money Penny with the inscription "With love," he writes, and then above it he puts "From Russia," which is kind of neat. It's like okay, that's a great little setup for the film's uh, title. Yeah, it's a it's a great way to introduce that film title into it. Yeah, without in and, and I just the fact that it's almost an afterthought. It's with love. Yes. Oh, wait, from Russia. From with Russia. Love. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that kind of softens his little love thing with Money Penny. But you look at Money Penny's face and she's looking longingly at Bond. Like she does that a lot. She often does. And all the Connery movies have that playful interaction between the two. I think that it was the best playful interaction between Money Penny and Bond in any of the Bond films with Connery. I think it was great. Uh, it's a very tightly written scene reinforcing this rendezvous with Tatiana Romanov and the mission to get this, the Russian lector and, and the and working the title in the movie I thought was, was clever. So it's a, again, brilliant piece of writing here to get the viewer absolutely hooked. And one of the many reasons from Russia with love is a fan favorite. So you see him landing at the airport in Istanbul 
And we're again left with unknowns as there's a suspicious man following him out of the airport, the Bulgarian, as we later find that, and another in a car observing Bond. So we'll grow to know both of these roles very precisely and very soon. And so as in Dr. No, a driver is sent for him, but this time through validation through a spoken code, it's an ally and not an adversary. Should like have had that in Dr. No. Yeah, yeah, a little code thing yeah. would have been good. Right? Now, the, the, the Bulgarian, he's got just such a great face. Yes. And it's, 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 it's like you're looking at going like, who the heck is that guy? Now, he, it, there's actually a story I'm going to tell a little bit later that they, about a clip they had to cut from the movie because of this guy. And so I'll talk about it a little bit later. Oh, okay, all right. all right. So Bond makes it to his hotel safely, but he's tailed. And he checks in the room number 32. He quickly searches for bugs, of course, and finds one behind a painting. And as if one bug is not enough, he keeps, look, he keeps looking for more. He looks at the chandelier, the crystal chandelier. He kind of spins it around a little bit. And then he checks the phone with an electronic device, another little gadget. Yeah, absolutely. Which was kind of neat. Yeah, now, as- now one, one of the things I love about this is, it takes what they did in Dr. No of the spy stuff, right? Not gadgetry. I mean, he has a gadgetry to yeah, yeah. read the fact the, the phone's bugged, but he's checking around the room. And Dr. No, he does the thing where he pulls his hair out and sticks it on the door so he yeah. can, or and he's got the talcum powder. And that's all that spy-type stuff that happens. And unfortunately, we lose a little bit of that as the series progresses. Well, but it's, it, it's the believability thing. That's All these gadgets, even these gadgets here so far that we've seen, are believable gadgets. We have a whole podcast coming up on, on gadgets and the believability of, of the gadgets, and that's going to be fun to do. And, but it, it's that. It's that how much can you stretch and your willing suspension of disbelief go with this? But, well, and it's, but this, one, this scene isn't about the gadgets. Yeah, he's got the, the reader to tell that the phone's tapped, but that's actually fairly common spy-type stuff. Yeah. And it's the searching for the bugs. It was the use of the talcum powder in, in Dr. No. That's not really gadget stuff. Yeah, it's right? not That's gadgety. just it's like you're what trained. a spy is going you're to do. You're trained to do that. So, he, of course, he's not going to stay in this room, so he, he calls for another room, and he, he says the room's not satisfactory. The, I think he says the bed's The not, bed's too uh, small. It's not big enough. The bed's like, too small. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. Not going there. Uh, so, so he's switching rooms. So the scene shows, again, the mystery of who's following him, and the thoroughness, again, that 007 exhibits in his execution of his duties here. So between Dr. No and From Russia With Love, we're beginning to learn, and, and we are, we're learning about who James Bond is. And he's a tough assassin in Dr. No and a thorough, untrusting uh, agent in From Russia With Love, meaning he's not trusting anything in the situation around him and people around him until he can figure out who to trust. So after Bond switches his room... He's going to head to Istanbul to meet with Kareem Bey, who's the head of the MI6 there. He's their their man in uh, head of station T in yeah, Turkey. Yeah, head of station T in Turkey. Thank yeah. you. And he's going. They're going to talk about Tatiana. And now remember, she thinks she's working for Russia under Kleb, but she doesn't know that Kleb had defected the Spectre. This bomb goes off in Kareem Bey's in his office, and it's it's actually kind of a funny scene because there's he's got his girlfriend there, and she like calls to him and calls to him and trying to get him into bed. He finally reluctantly gets up to go to bed, and then this bomb goes off. If he hadn't done that, he would have been probably killed. But Bond 
Bond is he goes over there and um, Bay's and they're going like, I don't know why the Russians are acting like this. And Bond tells him something like, well, maybe it's because I'm here. And maybe they're acting like this because it's me. It's not you. So Kareem Bay then says, okay, let's go under. They, they go under the offices to this underground cistern where he's going to use this periscope to, to spy on the Russians. Yeah. And what a, with the scene in there is just so cool. You're down there in this, this, they're in the boat. They've got the oars. They've got the rats down there and you can just see this, this scene. You can, you can almost smell the, the smell of that cistern. I mean, it's a real place Yeah, and you could go visit it. Yeah. And, but and walk down those same stairs. Yeah. And you, you, but you can like, it feels like you're really there with the way they shot this thing. And, and I love it when they've got a scene where it's like, you can almost smell it. Yeah, one of our colleagues, Jim, was there, and he gave us a couple of the photos that we have on our website for that. It's a beautiful place, and it it's pretty cool. So this is a great scene. Yeah, and so so they you know they do the periscope thing, spying on the Russian yeah. consulate. Yeah, so they're they're spying on the Russian consulate using that periscope, and uh, Bond focuses in on the legs, and you see this body, but you can't see the face, and it ends up being Tatiana. But you know, they and Kareem says, I assume that's who that is. But Bond hasn't met her yet. Yeah, I always thought that was pretty a neat little contraption, a periscope uh, repurposed to rise up and look through some kind of cabinet thing into the Russian consulate, and that you could find electronic bugs, you could find all this other stuff. And but I you, always thought you can't find a periscope. You can't find a freaking periscope. Yeah, exactly. In a cabinet. But, well, they don't have the electronic yeah. eavesdropping equipment; <laughs> otherwise, they could hear the conversation. Anyway, it's very cool, yeah. though. I, yeah. I think it's a great scene. And now this cistern, actually, if you do go to Istanbul, this actually is near the uh, the Hagia Sophia Mosque, right? Where uh, seen a little bit later is going to take place. Yes, right. So it's it's not that far a distance if you're actually going over there. It is beautiful, and you can go see it. Yep. Now the cistern comes back later in the movie. We don't have a clip of it, but there's a scene in there where they show these rats, and there's a bunch of rats climbing around. Oh yeah. And this, 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 the funny thing about this is, so Sid Kane, who was the, the production designer, he said, we're, we're not allowed to use wild rats in England uh, because if someone's bitten, we can have real trouble. We tried to t- use tame white rats that were dipped in cocoa to give them the proper color. <laughs> but we fixed our stage lights and uh, dressed the set. They became terribly drowsy and wouldn't cooperate. So we ended up going to Madrid, where you can film anything there. <laughs> and we hired a Spanish rat catcher, believe it or not, they have those, oh, yeah. who, who trapped twenty, uh, trapped about 200 of the little buggers. He hired out a garage and built a tiny part of the, the cistern there. And they shot the rats coming down the tunnel with a plate of glass in front of the camera. And the uh, in the end, everybody was standing on chairs because the rats got away. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, good. so you've got that sister and the rats come into play in both of the cistern scenes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring it up here just because we're talking about the sister and we don't talk about it later yeah. um, when it's in the thing. So after they get out of the cistern, they get in the car with Kareem and it's not a, um, uh, the, the roles that he comes in initially from the airport. It's just a, a regular looking car because they're trying to avoid the people who are tailing them because mm-hmm. they're going to then go over to the gypsy camp. And so they, they, he makes a comment about, yeah, my one of my sons is driving the car out and it's being tailed, and they think we're very far away from here. And then we get to the scene called the gypsy camp. Right, yeah, and the gypsy camp, he uses the gypsies for information and stuff like that, uh, Karen Bay does. And so in the gypsy camp here, uh, 
which is, by the way, a beautiful set, and they it built oh, that, this in Pinewood yeah. Studios too, in a, in, in like a matter of days too. It was a, it's a fabulous set. Yeah, it's another I mean, one where you can like feel like you're really there. It's very believable, and you think, yeah, it's, this is a gypsy camp. Um, so he uses the gypsies for information, and this causes some tension between rival gypsy groups. So it's a, again a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful evening. You got belly dancing going on. Uh, and there's a serious fight between the two gypsy women. Oh, that is that is that's an interesting fight. Yeah, yeah. I think what the winner was going to get to marry some. Yeah, it was it was over some guy. Yeah, and they're going to fight. But I mean, that was death. a nasty fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They staged that pretty well. And I remember that reading something. They had to rehearse this over and over again. And they wanted it to. They said, "No, you got to be tougher. You got to, you know." <laughs> yeah. It was it was well done. So anyway, you see you see uh, Krilenko here. And he's involved. And so it's also clear that Pleb's assassin is nearby too. Yeah, that was that uh, Grant guy, uh, Red, Red Grant. So Bay is taking all the precautions he can, like you said, Tom, to not be followed. But apparently everybody in the world followed them there because you got all Well, yeah, Krilenko's there with all the guys to try <laughs> to Grant's, break up the place. I mean, they Grant's actually there. they break up the, 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 the fight with the two women. Yeah. By Krilenko trying to, to take over the camp. Yeah, and Kleb's assassin, Red Grant, is there. And he's actually, at this point, protecting Bond because they want to get the Lecter. Yeah, boy, that was confusing. Yeah. Because when you're first watching it, you're like, why is Somebody he... Somebody was going to shoot Bond, and then he's up on the yeah. uh, on the ledge there, and he shoots the guy who's yeah. going to shoot so Bond. So Grant is yeah. protecting Bond, but why? Because he's there to kill Bond. Yeah. It was so, unless it was at first I thought it was like oh I, I want to kill him you can't kill him yeah yeah they want to keep him alive until he got the lector yeah and then they were going to get him and, and of course kill Bond and uh, in this scene Bay is is wounded in the arm but it, it's a great scene this guy Krolenko was trying to kill Bay and Bay's thinking man this is not good so next Bay and Bond head to where he know where Bay knows Krolenko yeah lives. I, actually before you go there one one other thing I want to mention about what there what happens in that camp is. Yeah. The character Vavra, um, he was portrayed by Francis DeVolf. Bond saves his life, and he's like, "Thank you." Oh, and yeah, then, right. and then he then bestows the honor of son on 007. Oh yeah. And I, it made me think that all of these sons that Kareem Bay has are yeah. probably this type of a son. It's an honor, it, an honorary title, probably yeah. not a birth type thing. Although, with as much Although, as he's fooling around, you don't, uh, you don't uh, know. Yeah, but at one point, uh, Bay does say blood is thicker than water. Yeah. He doesn't say thicker than water. I don't think he's, but he's saying, hey, blood is the best Yeah, but it was just, I just something. thought it was interesting that they yeah. called him son, right. and, and yeah. Bay's got all these sons. So anyway, Bay and, and it's bringing Bond over to where he knows Krilenko lives, and... So they're gonna try to kill Krilenko because he doesn't want Bay doesn't want him having any more chances to get him first. So they they move over to where he's he's hiding out in his hideout, and we'll we'll look at that scene next. If you see on our website again, that next clip is going to be the Krilenko's hideout where Bond and Bay are trying to take care of that. And here you in that scene, you'll see that the friendship between Bond and Bay, and it's really kind of like uh like almost in doctor no when you saw when he when he sees quarrel get killed uh, that kind of connection and also the connection between felix Leiter too and bond 
here you see this same kind of close connection. Yeah, absolutely. Bond's good at doing that, of getting those those cl- close connections with these guys. Yeah. So as they get to where Krilenko's hideout is, they they realize they've got to take care of uh, Krilenko or he's going to get Bay. So Bay's sons, of course, as we mentioned a minute ago, that everybody seems to be one of Kareem's sons. Yeah. Uh, they're the security police. You know, there's the scene where they kind of step back because they're not sure who's walking right. by. Oh, it's my sons. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a touching scene, like you said. It shows this closeness between Bond and Bay, and it also highlights how much Bond and MI6 agents are actually assassins in the field. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. And in this this scene is an assassination yes. of Krilenko. It's there's 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 no holding back. This scene is there to get rid of Krilenko, and it's it's perfectly done. Now, he Krilenko gets killed because. He comes out of this door that's in this poster on the uh, on on the side of the building, right? And the poster is actually for a Bob Hope and Anita Ekberg movie called Call Me Buana, which was actually, if you look at the poster, it actually says it was produced by Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of films. So, <laughs> so it, in the book, it was actually. Um, uh, uh, the 1953 movie called Niagara with um, Marilyn Monroe. Right, it was Marilyn and, Monroe. And the but they wanted a little extra publicity for Call Me Buana. It didn't help. <laughs> that, that movie did not do well. Yeah. But again, in this scene, you've got this. This you know, Krilenko comes out of the mouth of Anita Ekberg. Yeah, from the, yeah. From as the, the security police ring the bell, he's trying to escape through a secret hatch through the mouth of this thing on the yeah. side of the building. Yeah, yeah, and then, so he's coming out, and then Kareem shoots him. Yeah, and he falls to his death. Yeah, and and that's the AR seven rifle that's in Bond's briefcase. This smart piece of luggage is what he's using for that uh, kill. Yeah, and that and that that gun gets used a lot in movies. It, it's been it's been in a couple of Bond movies, but in this particular one, I mean, in real life, the AR seven was a twenty two caliber rifle, which you would probably wouldn't use for an assassination. And as they shoot Krill. Linko here you, you could see well okay maybe this little bullet didn't kill him but the fall certainly would because it's like three stories or four stories down yeah and for a gun that's 22 there seemed to be a lot of recoil on it <laughs> when yeah. bay shoots it yeah he, he actually pulls back a lot 22 doesn't have much kick at all well, you know he had a wounded arm though well that's true so you know that's i'm gonna true. give him a break there <laughs> he got wounded at the gypsy camera well, that's true yeah all right, the next scene here, we're, we're going to look at where Bond gets his new room because, of course, the room in his hotel was bugged, remember. So he's going to get this suite. And so he goes into the new suite, and he finds that Tatiana Romanoff is in his bed. I mean, poor guy, huh? Um, well, that was after he was starting to take a shower. Yeah. He turned the shower on, and then he heard a noise. Yeah, yeah, and, and he finds her in his bed. And so this is the first time they actually meet. And, and boy, did she look resplendent laying there in that bed. She looked good. Daniela Bianchi, uh, she, that was a great choice. Yeah. And she looks spectacular. She still looks good. She's, yeah, she's good. Uh, so this they meet, and then she says to him, I, I love this, she says, I think my mouth is too big. And Bond says, it's the right size. For me, that is. It's like, okay. What a, what a salicious pick. Uh, uh, of course. Come on. This is certainly a sexual reference. This is the size of his manhood. I mean, naturally, when she says her mouth is too big, 
and Bonds, knowing what size he is, says uh, it's the right size. For me, that is. For me, is. that is. <laughs> That's great. You can't get more direct than that. I mean, think about this. If she thought her mouth was too small and she said that to him, uh, what do you think Bond would be saying? Is it the right size for me? No, I don't, right. I don't exactly. think so. Exactly. So there's, it's certainly, it's clever. It's good dialogue. Uh, again, illuminates a little bit about Bond to us, about how he works and his confidence in himself and so on. And it gives us a little more detail about his physique. <laughs> and again, literally, he's, he's a confident guy. He's like, hey, it's the right size for me. I'm, I'm cool with that. But he's still all business. Yeah, he's still all about business. Again, here you got a scene. He's very flirtatious with women always. And even while kissing her, he's asking her about the lector. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Where is it? And how can we, can you draw a map of the consulate? And uh, can, should they meet at San Sofia where she can leave the map? And and she's like, hey, can we talk about this later or something? So it, it's kind of neat that he's still focused because he knows that's that's his real mission. So. Although he may be enjoying the moment, uh, he knows what his job is, and he never forgets it. And it's, so it's obvious when they sleep together from the dialogue, Tanya, her calls, her friends call her Tanya, she says. He, she looks fabulous in inviting. Danielle is gorgeous, perfect. I think she came in number two in Miss Universe or something for yeah, or, or Italy or something. Something like that, but I don't yeah, remember. She, she didn't win. She was the first runner-up, I think. But, man, she should have won. Um but we also discover that the mirrors there are behind the bed headboard of the bed. They're filming them making love. Uh, this this uh, the uh, uh, Spectre guys. Yeah. Now that now that concept. First, be careful if you search for cabinet de voyeur, which is really what they call that. Yeah. Um, on the internet, because um, it took me about twenty five minutes to not just get a lynch a list of porn sites when I did that. Oh geez, but, be careful with that. Yeah, be careful with that one. But there's some other movies that actually use this to great effect. Uh, one of Robert Ludlum's novel, uh, The Osterman Weekend, actually that's actually a main part of that thing. Is they they filmed. Uh, uh, you know, an indiscretion happening from a hidden camera, and then what happens from them? You've got that movie Sliver, where they've got all the hidden cameras for throughout yes. the whole building, kind of creepy stuff, right? Where where this is being used? American Beauty, the guys across the window filming into the other house. Yeah, well, Bond um, thought this was yeah. creepy too, because he yeah. says at one point, "Who would do such a thing like yeah, that?" Like, exactly. Yikes. So, I mean, that that whole concept is actually used in. I mean, even Revenge of the Nerds. Right? Oh, yeah, they've yeah. got the they've got yeah. the camera in the yeah, right. in the shower right, room, right? right? right. Yeah. You know, um, we don't want to yeah. repeat that line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, I mean, but it's it's. It's a concept that's used in later movies. I haven't seen it used in anything prior to From Russia With Love, though. Yeah, I I haven't either. And it's a great scene. And again, it just shows you Bond wants the lector, and he's willing to do whatever he has to do to get it. Yeah, whatever that, whatever hardships. Sacrifice. Whatever hardships. To uh, be in bed with Daniela Bianchi. Uh, Yikes! Uh, But it's clear in this scene that that's that's what he's after. The lector, not Daniel yes. Bianchi, not uh, Tatiana. 
Uh, and apparently it is the right size. So yep. He, well, there's even that scene with she's, Kareem. She's going to go with along with it. Where Kareem Bay, where you know Bond says, you know, all I need is to get the lector, and Kareem says, that's all you need. Oh, yeah, and yeah, Bond's right. like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, he's he's working. <laughs> so after their night of bliss, right? Work. Of, work. Of, of, well, it was work for Bond. Yeah. Right. Um, And uh, so Tatiana is going to then meet James and give him the map she drew of the Russian consulate Mm -hmm. so that so that they would have that. So we actually have this clip on our website and it's called Red Grant Kills Foreign Agent. So she's got the plan of the consulate and she's going to leave it at the Hagia Sophia, which is what Bond had suggested with her. You can see the the blue mosque in the background as she's as Tatiana is approaching Hagia Sophia. We see a more intrigue here. Nothing goes quite right, or that's simply in a Bond movie, right? You've got a simple act. She's going to leave this this map for Bond to go pick up. Should be a pretty simple thing. Mm-hmm. But you have Red Grant. You've got that Bulgarian, Bulgarian guy, mm-hmm. right? The guy with the mustache. Mm-hmm. You've got Tatiana. You've got Bond. All in this little scene of trying to get... How do we do the simple thing of clandestinely giving Bond the pic- the picture of the map? Spies make drops all the time. You think this would have been simple, but it's a little complicated here. And by the way, on the website we have photos. Uh, again, our colleague Jim was at the Hagia Sophia, and we actually have photos of the internal uh, parts of the Hagia Sophia, and we have a spot right where Tatiana was walking in. Too, we have a shot of that. And, and as they're walking in, you hear this tour go by. Right. And it was a real tour, by the way. Yeah, and with actually, yeah, the, the tour guide was uh, Muhammad Cohen, and he yeah. really was a real tour yeah. guide there, and they just used that as part of the film yeah. as they did that. So they, they, they come in. Tatiana comes in. She's going to put the compact down. She puts it down, and the guy, the Bulgarian guy, the guy with the mustache, gets killed. And you don't really see it initially, but it's actually Red Grant that kills him. And Bond goes over, takes the compact out of his hand where she had the, the map in it. But you're like, well, why is this guy dead? Who killed him? It seemed kind of confusing. And Bond looked like he was confused as to why that was happening as well. Yeah, because he's thinking the guy just got killed, but the compact's still in his hand. So we have to remember, this is a really complex plan, right? Tatiana thinks she's working for the Russians because she's Russian. And yeah. She works for the Russian government. She thinks Kleb's still there. And she thinks Kleb's still there. She doesn't know that Kleb's gone. So she comes in. And she's going to work for the Russians. And Cleb and Grant really have different plans, though. They oh, yeah. wa- they want, because they're Spectre and not Russia, they want to get their hands on that Lecter. Right. And the way they're going to get their hands on the Lecter is, is through Bond. Right. So they want Bond to get the plan. They want Bond to get the plan. And remember that this is at the Hagia Sophia. This is a place you can actually go visit yes, you can. and see this. Right. Now, earlier I had mentioned that the Bulgarian was involved in a scene that got cut later in the movie. Right? So he gets killed in this scene. Yeah. Towards the end of the movie, there was supposed to actually be another scene that they filmed, they screened it, it was ready to go like a week before or so they were going to release the movie. Mm-hmm. They, the director showed it to his 12-year-old son, and his 12-year-old son said, 
Daddy, that man with the beret was already killed. Robert Shaw killed him at the mosque <laughs> yeah. behind the pillar. That's great. And so they had to, so here you have got, you know, a continu- potential big continuity problem because this guy gets killed this early in the movie uh, and they want to use it and use him in a scene later in the film. Yeah. Well, that was good to the 12 year old. Yep. All right. So anyway, that was it. They, he, uh, they needed to keep Bond alive and they needed to have him get into the consulate so he can get the uh, lector so they can steal it from Bond and kill Bond. Yeah. So then Bond gets the map and he's going to go yeah. and he meets with Kareem and they check out that the map was uh, accurate, accurate. Right. And that where the communication room was, because that's what Bond's going to go right. uh, do to get the, get the map out. So then we're going to move to the next scene where, of course, Bond needs to get the details of the lector, how big the lector is and everything else. So we're going to, we uh, move to the next scene that we're going to take a look at and that's the ferry boat encounter. And, uh, which is a beautiful area, by the way, on the Bosphorus. Um, it's a great way to see Istanbul, take a little boat ride. So for now, this is Tom Pizzotto and Dan Silvestri from spymovienavigator.com, the worldwide community of spy movie fans, spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more.